BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of the On the Fin Side podcast with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. I'm Brian Kat NFL on Twitter. Paul is Fanatic underscore pick. We are, gosh, 11 days away from the NFL draft. Happy Easter to everybody. And we're glad you could join us here tonight. Um, and this is a big one here. I mean, uh, Paul, taking a look at the interior offensive linemen, we've talked about how the Dolphins really don't have a lot of, you know, needs in their starting lineup. They could use some players on offense, use some players on defense, but not, not a big need that sticks out in the way that it did uh, previous year. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to look at these guards and these centers. And my question to you is, when you look at this, do you see this as the Dolphins' biggest need, interior offensive line? Uh, I don't. I'm not I'm not as low on Dieter as a lot of folks are. Uh, we do need to supplement and challenge him. Uh, as far as the guard spot goes for me, I, I'm still a fan of kicking Robert Hunt to right tackle and letting Robert Jones, Solomon Kinley, Austin Jackson, Liam Eichenberg uh, – and and possibly even Larnell Coleman fight it out for for that last offensive line spot and and that's where for me I, I would understand if Miami were to take somebody just because they're a beautiful fit but again I I don't think they're going to reach on a player uh, or try to just destroy their entire draft process for somebody at this position right I'm starting to really warm up to the idea of, of Dieter being the starting center, because I don't believe that in this type of offense, which is going to be complicated, which is going to have a lot of motion, a lot of different things going on from play to play that a rookie center is going to be able to come in here and hit the ground running. I think there's going to be an adjustment period, even though I really do like the center class. Um, I'm with you on Robert hunt. 
I think that the best move is to kick him to right tackle. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but Hunt is going to line up somewhere on the right side, either at right guard or right tackle. Before we get into the, you know, kind of the guts of what the Dolphins are going to, who they might look at at pick 102, I'll start out with a question I've, I've asked you at the beginning of just about every show here. So there are three interior offensive linemen uh, who were likely to go in the first round. Center Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, Kenyon Green, the guard from Texas A&M, and Zion Johnson, the guard from uh, Boston College. Um, it wouldn't be a shock if any of them fell to the second round, um, but my question to you is, pick, say one falls to pick 33. Is there any of these three guys that you are trading next year's first round pick for? No, there, there aren't. I mean, I'm very high on Linderbaum. Linderbaum I'm very high on Zion Johnson. Uh, I, I, I'm going to stick to my guns here with this one. And <clears throat> the only thing I would move up for are somebody that's going to score a lot of touchdowns or somebody to play linebacker that you think is going to be a cornerstone of this defense for the next decade. Uh, outside no. of that, I just don't see it. I'm with you on that overall. Um, I will say that if that situation were to happen and it were Tyler Linderbaum that the Dolphins got in exchange for a first-round pick next year, overall, would I want to do that? No. He's the only, he's one of two players in this draft along with Jamison Williams where if they unexpectedly fell down to the second round and they made that trade, my foot wouldn't go through the TV. That's, that's the best thing I can say about it. Um, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, yeah, I'm not quite there on them for that type of value, even though, hey, if the Dolphins were picking 29th, um, I would cons- I mean, I would love Linderbaum there if, if, if the Dolphins still had the 29th pick. I'm glad they don't because they have Tyreek Hill. Um, would have loved Zion Johnson too. Kenyon Green, I'm a little bit lower on than the other two guys because he's not he's not quite the athlete. He's more of kind of a what you see is what you get type of guard. Um, but still very, three very impressive guys. Yeah, no, it's there. There are definitely people I think that could help this team, but any of those names or Tyreek Hill, it's Tyreek every time for me right now, especially given the fact Miami basically went out and supplemented the entire left half of their offensive line and free agency. Uh, I think they're a lot higher on Dieter than a lot of folks are. And let's face it, it's center's not a sexy position. Uh, there really weren't a lot of issues with Dieter last year. And that's given the given as well the fact that Miami had a, a duplo offensive scheme, if that. And, and I use the word offensive scheme lightly. And they really put the offensive line behind the eight ball. So that being said, I, I thought Dieter did a good job because it was a mess last year. And Miami set themselves up to have some of that mess have to fight it out for basically for their lives here um, moving into 2022. Uh, I would be interested in upgrading from Dieter if it's you know if, 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 if from a value perspective it makes sense. You know trading of drafting someone in the first round or you know trading a future first rounder to get that done 
that's not a value proposition. So maybe the Dolphins revisit looking at a J.C. Treader after the draft to compete with Michael Dieter, but it seems like the team is speaking very highly of Dieter, and it looks like he has a good relationship with Tua, and that does matter in terms of communication from the center position. Also, yeah, go ahead, Paul. Before you move on from, from J.C. Treader, I th- I was reading up on some stuff that he actually posted himself out on, on Twitter, and I think he's setting himself up for failure right now. The NFL is going to do everything they can not to move to these fully guaranteed contra- contracts except in extenuous circumstances. And it looks to me like J.C. Treader is trying to help make the stand as far as getting the fully guaranteed contracts like you see in some other leagues. But if you look at the other leagues like MLB and, and some of the others, it really comes back to bite those those teams and the league as a whole in the foot when these guys are getting nine-year, 300-something million fully guaranteed contracts. I don't see that happening. And it looks like J.C. Treader is trying to take the stand and justify that fact, in which case, until he comes off that little pommel horse of his, I, I don't think he's signing anywhere. Interesting. I didn't know that. And he was the former head of the players' union. Uh, not anymore. So it, it doesn't surprise me that he's coming out and trying to <coughs> blaze a trail here. But if that's the case, hey, look, J.C. Treader's a good player, but um, fully guaranteed. You know, you're talking about somebody who's 31, who's good. You want a fully guarantee, guaranteed three or four year contract? No, it's, it's not going to happen. I mean, we're going to save that for players like Tyree Kill and Xavier Howard. So yeah, I'm with you on that. But looking at the looking at the draft board here, Paul, as as far as the consensus board, which again is where I combine eight different big boards: Daniel Jeremiah, PFF, ESPN. I've I've been through the list here. Tyler Linderbaum comes in at 15. Kenyon Green is 27. Zion Johnson is 28. So three interior offensive linemen as first rounders. That's pretty rare throughout here and then you don't see anybody here until the third round with guys like Darian Kennard, Cole Strange and Cam Jurgens. so there is a big drop off and that actually could bode well for the Dolphins because they're picking at pick 102 and 125 if there are a lot of guys and there are at center and guard somebody of value really could fall down to them And uh, Paul's doing something uh, here. Sorry, I was having uh, a coughing fit. So no, no, no. I, 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 I didn't know what quite that face was. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I muted because I was coughing my head off. But anyway, uh, before before I throw it to you here, Paul. I mean, let's start at the guard position. When I look at this spot, the overwhelming theme for me becomes this: that Robert Hunt is not a great fit in this zone blocking scheme. He's not, but He's still an overall really good offensive lineman. He's going to be playing right guard and right tackle. And I think you can get away with this lack of athleticism. If you pair him with, if you surround him with, you know, a center and a guard or center and a right tackle who are athletic. So that's why I take so many of these guards off the board. Like, uh, like uh, uh, Jeremy Salier from, from Georgia, like, Thayer Munford from Ohio State, Marquise Hayes from Oklahoma. And and it's not to say that they're not good players. If we were running the same 
man blocking scheme of last year, I, these guys would probably be a lot higher up on my list, but because they're not athletic, I, I've taken them off completely. I don't know how you feel about that or if you reached the same I, conclusion. I haven't fully taken Thayer Munford off, um, mainly because I, th- I think Mike McDaniel is going to look to run that zone outside zone scheme. But I think he is creative and genius enough to basically take if he believes in somebody in their and their talent level, I, I think he's creative enough to manufacture a blocking scheme that could utilize the skill set for the right player. Um, so Thayer Munford stays on my board, but he slides down a little bit because I don't feel like he's a great fit. But at the end of the day, having Thayer Munford on your offensive line is not a bad thing. And, and it's something that could really affect you uh, and, and really in a positive way because I do think he can do a lot of things that get this done, even if he doesn't have the athleticism that you typically expect in this scheme. Yeah. Um, Munford's played a lot of football. I mean, at a high level of competition, he can play tackle. He can play guard. He has double digit starts at both guard and tackle. So he's somebody that can give you some versatility and, you know, when you've got that amount of experience and you are that size and, and you check mark a lot of boxes, he's somebody that I think is going to be in the NFL for a long time. Just not sure how great he's going to be. I kind of put Ed Ingram in that same category where I, I think Ingram's a little bit of a better fit, but I like the comparison with Ed Ingram from LSU to uh, Jonah Jackson, um, who the lions drafted here a couple of years ago um, and has been just a straight solid left guard for them. Uh, Ed Ingram has played left guard. He's played right guard. 6'3", 317, doesn't wow you in any area and is a, a little bit better of a pass protector. So he's somebody I'm looking at a little bit more in, I'd say, the fourth round instead of the third round. Um, but the two guys that I love, and it, I'm not going to say Darian Kennard because he falls into that. I, I, I think he's got to play right guard or right tackle. He's more of a mauler. Um, the two guys I love are Sean Ryan. Say Cole Strange. Say Cole Strange. Uh, I, I like him. Um, I've got him as a center. Okay. Um, but he could play guard. I, I, I like him, probably don't love him as much as you do. Um, Sean Ryan and Dylan Parham are the two guys that I'm really, if, if I had a list of five players, and I actually posted this on Twitter the other day, the five players, if you take out like the 65, 70 guys that are not going to fall to that spot, it's unrealistic. I've got Sean Ryan from UCLA and Dylan Parham from Memphis uh, really high up on that board in my top five. Yeah, and and I like those two one heck of a lot. I mean, it's Cole Strange, though, for me, is a lot of fun. It's He's got a lot of lateral agility. He excels in the zone blocking scheme. He's got quickness. He'll pick up those delayed blitzes that you see Miami run with such effectiveness against a lot of teams. Um, and, and he's got the play strength to be there. Honestly, I've, I've got Cole Strange a lot higher than I see him on a lot of boards. So if he were to fall to 102, I would not blink if Miami took him, uh, even though I think they're going to still be looking at the same thing I said I would move up for, which is guys that are quick, guys that can put the ball in the end zone or guys that can prevent the ball from getting in the end zone. Uh, it's, it's, those are the things that I think Miami's looking to the most right now is can you score points or can you prevent points for us? 
Yeah, it, they could end up, you know, maybe packaging their fourth round pick and maybe pick next year to move up mm-hmm. um, for somebody. It may, that might be a lineman. It might be a receiver or running back. Linebacker. We'll see. Uh, you know, you, yeah, it's it's. I, but I look at this guard center class and I, I, I see this as one of the opportunities where you can take somebody out of college football and he might be a starter for you next year. And, and that to me is what these draft picks have to be about is how do we come away in this draft with one, maybe two plus starters over the next two years? Because if they can do that, regardless of the position, then I think that's a major win. And the reason I think Sean Ryan is that guy and one of my favorite players that's going to be available, uh, you know, late second or third round from UCLA, he actually played left tackle for them. He's got great play strength. I mean, his, his eyes match his body. They're always working together. So he's got great, and he's also got great hand punch too. I mean, and he doesn't quite have the long arms that I talk about and his, his arm length, 32 and a half doesn't quite fit the bill. That's why I think he moves inside to guard, but I think, his skill set is going to be better used at guard too. I mean, even a left tackle, he went up against Kayvon Thibodeau, and I'll tell you, he threw Thibodeau around. I mean, it was impressive to watch. So I think you move that inside to guard, you're going to have one heck of a player. I'm surprised he's not more higher rated. Dylan Parham is a great athlete, great movement skills for a, a right guard. There's also talk that he could play center. He's never done it before, but there is some some chatter about that. So when if the Dolphins do end up kicking Hunter right tackle, Dylan Parham, great fit in the zone blocking scheme at center or right guard. Now you have a guy who fits the scheme well and can challenge for two spots there. Yeah, and another guy too, and I, I can't recall if you mentioned him already, so I apologize if you did, but Donovan West, if he can get his pad level down a little bit, he meets a lot of the boxes for this zone blocking scheme. He's able to pull from that center spot, which not everybody can do. Uh, He's very, very football smart, which one of the big things that Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer both talked about this offseason is in a Mike McDaniel offense, your center has to be intelligent. And, And that's where an intelligent athletic player like Donovan West could be somebody that could step in and challenge Dieter right away at that center spot. Yeah, uh, Donovan West. I've I've watched several games on the other day, and he is uh, he's going to be the youngest out of the center group here. A lot of these guys are 23, 24 years old. I don't think he's twenty one yet, even. And so it was a little bit of a surprise that he came out. If he gets his, I agree with you on uh, the the fit and in, in this type of offensive line. To me, he's really got to get his play strength up, and he he's. And you start to wonder, is this always who he's going to be? Or when he hits the weight room, is he going to be able to add a lot of mass and, and then be able to pack more of a punch as a blocker? So I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of that, though, has to do with his pad levels too high. And so he gets poor leverage uh, in those scenarios. And, and that's where even without getting his play strength up, I mean, one of the coolest things with the offensive line is looking at the physics of everything. And physically for him, getting better position to have the leverage is going to be critical. And that's without upgrading his, his actual play strength, 
uh, or his functional strength at all, just fixing his pad level will improve the play strength you see on a down in down out basis. Yeah, that's, it sounds like a lot of his problems are correctable. If he can get in the weight room and and play with better leverage Mm -hmm. and that's the upside to drafting somebody who is an underclassman who's 20 or 21 years old. Um, if we can stick with the center class here, I mean, if I'm, if I'm ranking them down, down the line, Cole strange is probably going to be, I'm going to say fourth on my list behind Linderbaum, Cam Jurgens, and Zach Tom from Wake Forest. And it's, and I, I still would be very happy if Cole strange were, were taken at one or two by the dolphins, but I think so much of Cam Jurgens and Zach Tom. Cam Jurgens, when I watch him, I, I would have no if the Dolphins still had that 29th pick and didn't trade it for Tyree Kill, I wouldn't bat an eye drafting him in the at the end of the first round. And I think he ends up actually going in the second round. If he fell early to mid third, I would do anything to trade up for this guy. He's a little bit raw, but at 6'3, oh, just over 300 pounds, a wide, athletic, mean guy from Nebraska. Um he may, he may take a year because he, he's a little bit raw, rough around the edges. And part of that, which you see on tape is that, and uh, uh, Dane Brugler uh, said this perfectly, that he's way too, I forgot how he worded exactly, but he's way too eager. He tries to get to a spot so quickly that he gets there before the play has actually had time to develop. But I'd rather have somebody that is... That you have that you have to rope back in instead of you know try to have him do something that that he's not able to do physically. So I love Cam Jurgens, one of my favorite uh, targets at 102, and then Zach Tom is is right behind him. Zach Tom at six four, three hundred and four pounds, he could play right tackle for you, and he's got thirty three and a fourth inch arms. He's over that thirty three inch mark there. He allowed. Only 13 uh, pressures on 633 pass protection snaps last year. And then he went up against Jermaine Johnson, who's probably going to be a top 10 or top 15 pick, and didn't allow a sack or a pressure all game against him. So this is somebody that I think you, you can start out at right tackle, but a lot of people are projecting him inside to center. I see him going in the second round, too, though, when, it, when it's all said and done. Yeah, An- another one too that's to talk about here is is, is Luke Fortner. Uh, he's somebody that can play guard. He can play center. Uh, he does both well, and he could come in not only and try to challenge Dieter and unseat him, but even if he doesn't unseat Dieter, I think he could come in and possibly take over that guard spot as well. I mean, he's got good strength. He's got the versatility to play anywhere on the interior of the offensive line. Um, they just need to work with him on his hand placement. Everything else looks great. It's, you know, he drops the hips the way he should. He, he, he plays with, uh, power. It's, there's so many aspects of his game that are great, but you just need to fix his hands. And and, Uh and that's where Miami's about being a teacher. I saw that too with him and he, he played guard for Kentucky in, uh, in 2019 and 2020. And then this past year he moved to center and he looked like he had been doing it for 10 years. So it shows that he can pick things up quickly. I don't see a lot of attributes in Fortner that really jump out, but I don't see a lot of negatives either. And again, if you're looking at 
the offensive line like I do. And hey, I just want the guy to do his job and do it at a, you know, I, I, I don't need you to pancake the guy 10 times a game. I just need you to be able to snack the ball, protect the quarterback, create some lanes and do your job. And Forder could do all that. So he would be my fifth center. Um, but that, again, that's not a shot at him. If the Dolphins took him in 102, I, I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't be over. I mean, I, I'd be a little underwhelmed, but he's somebody that could come in and, and certainly challenge right away. Um, Alec Lindstrom from Boston College. I, there's You keep hearing that connection with Matt Applebaum. And yeah, I, I could possibly see that. But when I watched him, there was, there was really nothing that stood out with him. And I saw him get, got, get knocked back a lot more at the center spot than really the five guys listed above him. Um, so yeah, Lindstrom, man, if, if, if he ends up falling down to the, you know, to one of those seventh round picks, I I'd be fine with that, but I think he's going to be taken firmly between the fourth round and the seventh round. Yeah. And Lind- Lindstrom's a guy that could even climb into the third. Uh, it's if you watch Lindstrom's past year of tape, he absolutely fell off a cliff. He was somebody that should have been, uh, by all accounts, moving into the first round conversation this year, and instead he took five steps back. I, I, it was a big enough drop off that part of me feels like was was he playing through an injury or what was going on with him? I, it just because you don't see people in the real world look like they got their their sports powers taken away by the Monstars to play against Bugs Bunny. But that that's kind of what it felt like with Lindstrom this past year. Um, so he could be an intriguing comeback story. Now, an interesting one, and, and unfortunately, I think he's too much of a project for Miami right now, Lucidus Smith out of Virginia Tech. Uh, I think he started out as a tight end. Um he kicked into tackle, moved his way into guard. It's so, you know, he must be playing center at the next level. Uh, who knows? But it's, he just isn't there, even though he's a good fit in outside zone. He's somebody that needs too much development time. We've got too many developmentals on the roster right now. I agree with that. And I, I think he's a good fit in what, what the Dolphins are doing because he can move. And his play strength was a lot better than I thought at the point of attack for somebody you know, with his resume, 6'3", 314 pounds. And yeah, when he was a senior in high school, he was only 260 pounds. So he is feverishly tried to add on this weight here. Um, Yeah, he'd be more of a, if the Dolphins had a pick in the fifth or sixth, he'd be more of that that type of guy for me. Or if we're lucky enough for him to fall down to the seventh. So he's he's a pretty talented player, but uh, yeah, may may take a while to, to get going. So when I look at the just kind of how I'm stacking the board from a Dolphins lens at the guard spots. Now that we've talked, talked about center for me, it is Sean Ryan. Oh, well, excuse me. After we get past Zion Johnson and, and Kenyon green, obviously Darian Kennard, I don't think is a good fit. And then for me, it's Sean Ryan, Dylan Parham and Luke Gedicke from central Michigan, who I love. And He's somebody that played right tackle for Central Michigan opposite Bernard Raymond, who played left tackle. And when I watched him, I saw a very technically sound player who has phenomenal hands. And he, again, does not have the arm length. He's got 32 and a half inch arms that falls well below the threshold. 
And I think he's going to have Liam Eichenberg like problems and pass protection if you start him out of tackle. Um, but I think he'll be a really good right guard in the pros. And Dane Brugler also talks about him as somebody whose best position might end up being center. So at pick 102, Luke Gedicke, if he were the pick, I, I would be very happy with that. Another guy as well is Xavier Newman Johnson out of Baylor. It's he. Did I already talk about him? No, in fact, I, I'm not. I'm not familiar with him. Okay, um, he he actually played all three positions on the interior line. I think his better position is guard. Um, he does have short arms, but he plays tricky and smart and aggressively on the interior of the offensive line. And he's somebody that just will will do those big nasty things like we keep talking about, um, but within a controlled way. So it's it's he's going to block you through the whistle. He's going to try to take you to the ground. He does have good power, uh, but again, like 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 I said, he's got short arms, which as you've pointed out, on the interior is not the biggest murder or uh, killer of. Uh, a player's ability there as it is at the offensive tackle spot. Right, right. That's that's for sure. Um, uh, Josh Uzeda from uh, North Carolina is somebody that is really flying under the radar. He's a raw project. He really should have gone back to college for his uh, senior season. He has good size. He's 6'4", 310. I mean, he, he, he moves really well. He's played left tackle for North Carolina, projects to move inside to guard. You know, Somebody that I, I think if if because he came out as a junior unexpectedly, it, it took a lot of people a long time to get around to him. So right now he's looking more like a day three type of pick. But somebody that if you're if you're looking for somebody that does fit the scheme, can play guard, can play tackle, maybe he's somebody you take a look at in the fourth round. So just after I get past Sean Ryan, Dylan Parham, and Lou Gedicke for me as guys that would make sense for the Dolphins in the third round. I start getting down into guys like him and Logan Bruss from Wisconsin, who's who's really done well with the post-draft process here. In the All-Star Games, as well as, as the Combine, is 6'5", 310, has better film than, than you would think. It is, and is a better athlete than you'd think, too. So somebody there in, the, you know, in that 6th, 7th round area that, that might make some sense. Yeah, no, it's 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 a lot of fun, and it, it's I I feel kind of bad. Half our 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 chat didn't wasn't really familiar with him either, uh, as far as Xavier Newman Johnson goes. But I promise you, if you go out and watch his tape, he's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, anyhow, um, God, we already talked about Cole Strange. I'm trying to look through and see who I haven't talked about yet. So you got anybody else you want to talk about? You know, I'm actually, watching? Cole Strange, you want to highlight too because we I. I I kind of blew past him a little is um, what I liked about him the most when I, when I uh, turned on the Tennessee Chattanooga tape, I saw somebody that I thought I wasn't going to like because he gets really high in his stance and it, he's also built pretty thin too. But then I watched once I got to like, you know, his 15th snap, I thought this guy doesn't get knocked back. And then I started thinking, well, it's probably because he goes to, Ch- to Tennessee Chattanooga. And it's, that's, that's not a big surprise, but then during senior bowl week, I mean, he went heads up with every all-star there and he played well, he got beat a few times, but he would just come back 
the next rep and he would fight his way back. So he's somebody that I would have some concerns about lining up week one for the Dolphins at center as a third round rookie because of, you know, the competition. He needs to add some weight. But yeah, I mean, if, if we're looking for somebody who could challenge for a starting role, you know, late in 2022 or, or for the 2023 season, keep getting better. Cole Strange might be that guy. Yeah, and I don't think Greer or McDaniel pound the table to take Cole Strange if they don't think he can possibly make an impact this year. Um, I don't see Miami's a big we've been a big team of investing in the long term, investing in the long term development of a player over the past few years, but that's been while we were in the rebuild mode. And we're beyond rebuild mode now and we're set up for next year to be able to supplement the roster with all the draft capital with the cap space with all of those things and which miami still somehow has 20.6 million i think it is in cap space which is crazy to me Uh, yeah the question is are you gonna use some of that you know you know there's melvin ingram was in here are you going to offer him a contract four or five million for a year, or are you going to take that and are you going to try to roll it over or save that to re-sign guys like Christian Wilkins or Andrew Van Ginkler, a few of these other guys that are coming up? Answer is ask again later. <laughs> um, yeah, but at, at the same time, Miami is looking for players to affect the roster this year because they have assembled a playoff-ready roster now. And that's mm-hmm. you want guys that come and make an impact. So when you get into those January games, you know that you can count on them if there's a key injury, uh, even if they're not a starter for you. And if you don't see that for this year, I don't think you're high on the Dolphins radar unless there is some astronomical ceiling they can see in you that may not materialize this year. But it has to be, you know, it has to be somebody that you see the long-term, you know, Michael Jordan of football moment with. And and right now, that doesn't sound like it's going to be Cole Strange. Yeah, so, Paul, uh, if, uh, Ron in the chat asked me to rank the centers. I, I kind of did before, and I, th- I think he may have said that before that happened. But I'm going <clears> to <throat> just kind of go through myself and – how I stack my board as far as the interior offensive lineman. Once we get past, you know, we take Linderbaum and, and Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson. They're not going to be there. Take them off. Um, I, and again, throwing out guys like Darian Kennard, um, uh, Jeremy Salier from Georgia. Um, for me, I throw out Thayer Munford, kind of. Marquise Hayes, kind of the guys that I don't think are great fits. Um, so once we do that, I would say if I'm stacking my board of who I want to fall to 102, number one is going to be Cam Jurgens from Nebraska, the center. No, 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 excuse me. Number one is going to be Sean Ryan from UCLA. Number two is going to be Cam Jurgens from Nebraska. You could, I could flip flop those two. Uh, then it's going to be Zach Tom, the center from center offensive tackle from Wake Forest. Then it starts to get a little bit hairier, but I'm going to say Dylan Parham is fourth from Memphis. Um, Luke Gedicke from Central Michigan is fifth. 
Cole Strange from Tennessee Chattanooga is sixth. Then it, it gets into a few other players, probably then Luke Fortner from Kentucky. Those, those would be the seven guys that I'm pointing to right now and eyeing as, as ones that I want to fall to 102. And when you have that many players at center guard who are projected to go in that late second, third round area, it's unlikely all seven are going to be taken. It's pretty likely half of them will still be available. Right. It's people very, very like offensive interior or interior offensive line is a group of folks that you don't see on any given year. Uh, a huge number of folks go in those first two rounds. Uh, you might see a handful and they have to be players that you envision as special players and, and you know, ready to go now. Um, and that's, you know, all those guys you listed are in that boat, but like I said, half of them will probably still be on the board when the third round rolls around, which means there's a good chance one or two are still there at 102. Uh, Absolutely. And, and it's the one thing I will say, and, and this is totally immature of me, is it's if we draft Cam Jurgens, I'm going to literally be red-faced trying not to make jokes. Sorry, just just putting that out there. I'm not even going to elaborate. The rest uh, of you guys can do the math. But you give two of these weapons and then ask him to put his hands up under Jergens. <laughs> I'm sure when you uh, that'll go away pretty quickly when you see him block somebody for the first time. Nope, uh, I'll still make the jokes. It'll be no laughing matter at that point. But uh, oh, it'll, it'll be even more of a laughing matter at that point. <laughs> like you know, Jergens gets team excited. Like I mean. The headlines is right themselves. That's right. Tell you another uh, another guy who uh, I'll admit I've never seen play, but his name is Bear Hunter. He's a mm. center from Appalachian State. You want to talk about a name? I mean, I might. I mean, I don't care about late seventh round picks anyway. So uh, draft Bear Hunter. I'd be all for it. Um, don't even have to see him play. Uh, uh, Dude, there there is a possible draft eligible player at either next year or the year after that plays defensive back at 5'9", 100, or two hundred pounds, and his name is the best one I have seen yet. It beats Todd oh. Weiner. It beats a lot of these names out there. His name is Pig Cage. Pig Cage. Oh man, defensive back named Pig Cage. Like, oh. That's even better than Smoke Monday from uh from Auburn this year. I mean, oh, we that's got a lot a of sweet name. That that really is a that, sweet. That really is. That really is. He he's someone that should go somewhere in the in the day three range. We'll talk about the defensive backs here. We've really got after this, we've got off ball linebackers and we've got defensive backs, and then we are all set for the for the draft. We're gonna also have a one round mock. We're gonna have <laughs> um, a Dolphins mock, which shouldn't take too long. So we're going to make sure to, to bring a lot more shows here as the draft continues to approach. And the, the final guy I'll mention is uh, Jason Poe from the University of Mercer. He is about 6'1", 300 pounds. If you can find the Alabama versus Mercer game, which Alabama probably won by 70, you're going to see Jason Poe out there showing, looking like he belongs. He's somebody who also fits the scheme because he can, he can pull block as well. So he can get out into space and he was listed 
I don't remember where, but he was listed as a center slash, or excuse me, guard slash fullback. So uh, yeah, this this should be you, do some work on him, Paul. Because how do I your, not have him on my list here? He'll be your boy if that's and, and and I'll tell you what he is being talked about. Here we are, two or three weeks before the draft, and PFF and Todd McShay independently on their podcast are talking about Jason Poe from Mercer. So give him a look there. That's yeah, uh, I got to look up Mercer before I look up Jason Poe. Yeah, it is a college, believe it or not. Crazy <sighs> stuff. And uh, Grandizer, thanks for all the great work you, you were doing in chat there. And we really appreciate you all for joining us here tonight. We're going to keep you posted on our shows for the off-ball linebackers and the defensive backs here with a week and a half until the NFL draft. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the fan-sided network. Uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter. Brian Cat NFL, Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fence side. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.